Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, Chris Evans here with a special edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. With the rather wonderful Louis Theroux talking about his lockdown diary. He wrote his in case we forgot to write ours. I didn't write one, uh, but thank goodness Louis did. This is awesome. If there's an unexpected story to be told, our next guest is the man to find it and tell it, especially when the stories are about him. His new book, Through the Keyhole, Diaries of a Grounded Documentary Maker, is out today. So listen closely as we get thoroughly Theroux with the one and only Louis Theroux. Oh, good morning, Louis. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, can you hear me good all right? Morning. Yeah, I can. Come in. One, two, testing. One, two, two. Yeah, good. Good, it's working for me. Is it working for you? Yeah, yeah. I love this. We're we're keeping the lockdown alive. (laughs) It would be like those Japanese generals in the Indonesia. You know, they were found in the Philippines in the 70s. They didn't think the Second World War was over. They didn't believe anyone. I don't believe it. It's still surging. There's variants out there. Um, Louis, your book is fantastic mate well done it's so funny it's it's so surprised very candid it's very yeah. vulnerable uh, it's gorgeous is it safe to say that march 17 to 2020 to march 17 2021 was your most alcoholic year to date definitely no question no contest and it's and what was it'll be one thing you know because i'm comparing it with student years but the difference here of course was that 90 percent of the alcohol was consumed in the kitchen Sometimes while hiding from the family, you know, right. sort of sneaking middle and, and mid, you know, on Mondays and Tuesdays, like the sort of non-drinking days of the week. But that was how that was how I managed my mental health. Um, it turns out, and um, and you know, that it's a temptation to say like I was drinking too much, which I definitely was, but by choice, right? I had decided that that was what I was going to do. So um, and that went, and and, and disco- I think part of it was discovering bourbon. I don't know. Do you, I don't know how much of a drinker you are these days, Chris. But yeah. whether you, have you ever tippled with bourbon? Yeah, I have tippled with bourbon, and you've got to be careful with bourbon and whiskey because they do have this really seductive allure over yeah. you if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah it's not like oh, I'm going to go up. I bring a little glass of red wine with me. It's not that. Yeah. You have a slug of bourbon before bed, and it it, it it's you're playing havoc. You're day. You're basically you're, you're juggling with with fire. And and you will feel it the next morning, so so pr- proceed with caution on that. Well, I think the thing with whiskey and bourbon, I'm not sure this is a conversation we we we're going to have, but um, you can still taste it in the morning on your tongue, and it's funny because when you have other drinks, you know something's happened um, I- inside you, and you know you've had a drink, but it doesn't, you know, you, you, it, your mouth tastes like the bottom of a birdcage. The thing about bourbon and whiskey yeah. is it tastes like you've just drunk it when you wake up, and that's yeah. that's where it becomes a little bit dangerous. Yes, you feel highly flammable the next morning, like you've been <laughs> marinated, you know what I mean, in gasoline. Uh, but on the book, and, and with respect, so you, and you mentioned that the book was vulnerable, and thank you for that. Like, it's definitely, I was trying, my, my, my intention was to try and be as figuratively naked, for, you know, as possible, to try and confess to my, my most undignified side, and and there was plenty of that in lockdown for sure. You know, as a sort of dad to a to three boys, 
as a husband to a wonderful wife, but definitely I was the lowest on the totem pole in the, in, on the family front. And, you know, I wanted to sort of make myself an object of, of study in a way, you know, having been deprived of my normal journalistic feeding grounds by being you know, unable to fly. You know, I had three projects more or less mothballed at the beginning of, of lockdown. I thought, well, I, I need to sort of feed on something as a sort of object of inquiry and, 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 and then found myself and family life uh, as a sort of subject of interest. And that really comes across because, you know, now you sort of know, sort of know, not completely know, but you sort of know what it's like to be Theroud. Yeah, absolutely. And um, it's a kind of mixed experience. I think the hardest part, I'm willing, this is my, um, this is my job, right? I, and to some extent, as I've got, I used to be precious about being in the public eye and, you know, going back years when I did When Louis Metz about people like, well, Jimmy Savile and uh, Paul Daniels. And I used to think, oh, well, I need to be invisible. I can't have a profile. I, I, so I didn't do much in the way of press. I didn't do much in the way of self-revelation. And, and then as time went on, I, I sort of crept out from behind the screen gradually. And now I'm sort of flinging myself in, in the eyeline of the public saying, you know, here it is. This is what I am. I don't have many secrets. I don't have, you know, I, I basically my vices are probably the obvious ones of, you know, drinking too much and being an insensitive man in various respects. But I think that uh, owning up to that is a public service of a sort. At least that's what I've persuaded myself. For my family, you know, I think the ones where I've had to prune back the material is more to do with preserving some sort of privacy for my family and, and my wife. Yeah, and it's, you know, I didn't notice that, by the way. It doesn't come across like that because I don't know what you left out, but it's, uh, it's a right riveting read. Um, and you. you were, many things, I like, I like the way that these, that certain revelations sort of, they sort of creep out and they slowly unfold. And then I was saying this to Bass and Rachel earlier on, that your observations are quirky, they're funny. Um, but, you know, on every single page, because every single day from March 17, 2020 to 2021 is here in this diary, um, so there's a reminder that sort of, it, it makes you uh, feel a little bit sick inside or, or whatever. Maybe like, oh God, yeah, I remember that happening. I remember that moment, you know. Yeah. And you talk about your first panic buy uh, in the co-op in an aisle when you met Catering Dad. Yeah, uh, I, he, had, he had enormous um, packets of uh, pasta he was a dad at my because I have three boys, 15, 13, and, and uh, seven as they are now, but the little one was five at the time. Going, going back a long way, aren't we? This is March 2020. And it was that weird feeling of, 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 of if you can cast your mind back, of what, 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 what's going on here? What, you know, yeah. it's on the news, the government saying don't go into work. We weren't quite in lockdown, but it was suggested that, you know, it's sort of like this feeling of a gathering storm. And it felt slightly unreal because none of us knew anyone in the UK at that time who was ill because it hadn't really hit our shores. It was just in the offing. And there was a sort of weird sort of free song of excitement about it. Like, oh, this is all different. This is kind of, you know, a bit like at school when, a, a, you know, an alarm would go off and you, you didn't think, oh, we're all going to be burned down. You thought, oh, wow, the lesson's been disrupted you know, we're all going to have to march out and, and something different is going on. But with, so when, when catering dad, he had his van and there was, everyone's sort of swapping bits of intel about what's happening. And he, he had a van with lots of packet, huge packets of pasta. So I bought an enormous sort of almost like a kind of sack of coal sized bag of pasta that lasted me for about two months and made yeah. me feel very smug 
as the thing, as the whole weeks went by and it turned out this was as serious or maybe even more serious than anyone imagined. And I was there with my kind of like black market rations of, of pasta, of penne pasta by the bin All load. Right. Uh, so, so you look at yourself as a subject in the book, um, and but also you still study your craft, and you were a very, a very early adopter of Tiger King, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I watched it probably at the same time everyone else, which was again probably first few weeks of lockdown. But the difference was that I had spent uh, ten days living more or less with Joe Exotic back in 2011. So I had this weird double effect of. This is an enjoyable and outlandish program. And also, I know half these people and recognize many of the locations. And also, that one of the things I confessed to in the diary is that he, Joe had hosted us in, in 2011 at, at a rather sumptuous barbecue. And I remember at the time being thought, wow, these are great cuts of meat, you know. He's really giving us a slap-up meal. How nice of him. You don't often get hosted in, that, in such a high style by a contributor that you're filming with. And then when I watched Tiger King... I saw that actually he, one of them, John Rinky, uh, Joe's friend, confesses that they would use reclaimed expired meat from Walmart and feed it to customers and, and also sometimes eat it themselves. So I'm fairly sure that the barbecue I had at Joe's was expired meat from Walmart. Not exactly <laughs> what I wanted to learn. But, you know, in, and, but the Tiger King thing was a viral phenomenon, right? And the striking thing about looking back is, you know, this term of virality in a time of when we were going through a, a virus, you know, and, and the virality, you know, one of the obvious, if I can get deep on it, I know you like Chris, you're a thoughtful and deep thinker, but you, what struck me about the whole pandemic was that the, actually it was almost a side effect of a, of, of a, of a kind of greater virality of interconnectedness and that in, in, in suffering and struggling and then enjoying aspects of lockdown, that we were all victimized in different ways, not just by the virus, but also by things like, global warming by tech, like tech is a theme in the book, yeah. the way in which our apps and our phones are increasingly controlling us. And, and so I'm trying, I suppose I'm trying to make a greater point, you know, as we emerge from the coronavirus and sort of return to normal, for me, the takeaway is actually, let's not forget that we are in different ways still enduring and struggling um, a kind of, uh, you know, what is a side effect of um the the sort the kind of the human condition as it exists in 2021 am i, am I making any kind of sense no completely making sense i mean i'm here still in self-isolation you know and yeah. you're talking about you know there is the virus there is covid19 but you know we live in a viral world now more than ever and you know there are many strands to this viral sitar if you like um yeah. and they're ongoing and and this is where we live and as the second world war and wars that have gone before accelerate um research development evolution whatever that might be this has done the same thing from a, a from a viral point of view yeah Big time. And also that, you know, that we, you know, with COP, the, the summit going on or just finishing up, obviously we're more conscious now about global warming, but this, the machines, I'm worried about the machines. Like what, what struck me in lockdown was how we were, we all relied so much on laptops, phones, apps, um, different kinds of software, but the ways in which they were um, not just, you know, we were using them, but they were using us. Not, I don't want to sound like, well, techno kind of neo-Luddite and, and paranoid, but I don't think there's any doubt that um, we've become interdependent with machinery in a way that is, is kind of, ir ir to some extent, irreversible, right? They, I don't see us getting off that anytime soon, and, and which has effects that we haven't really fully 
gamed out and understood. And, and, and so that's, I suppose, uh, um, part of, part of the, uh, the, the, the way we live now and something we need to figure out. There, there's my, I mean, I didn't make, say that in a very technical way, but that, that's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, that doesn't worry me so much from um, a philosophical point of view, purely because, you know, motorways aren't going anywhere soon, you know, no. and they caused a similar kind of issue when they were first around, as, as did the bicycle from one village to the next. But this is just the way we are, isn't it? That's right. But motorways, as we've discovered, have contributed to global warming. And, yeah. and I don't mean to, I'm not being a, with the term Cassandra, I'm not being saying, oh, the sky okay. is falling. But isn't yeah. it, I just find it really interesting where wherever we go from now um it will be fascinating you know whether it's the metaverse or whether it's you know this idea of people living in sims life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm aware I've, I've veered us off into a kind of techno <laughs> conversation, but Elon Musk during that, well, I used to amuse myself by listening to Elon Musk on Joe Rogan's podcast right. and him talking about, you know, we, we may already be li- living in a sim and the idea of us uh, inhabiting some sort of virtual reality that we don't even, that we don't even know that we're in. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't keep me up at, at night. I just find it an intriguing prospect. I'd love to see you with Elon Musk for a week or two. That'd be amazing. I'm sure you'd love that too, wouldn't you? He'd be number one, I think. He, you know, yeah. when you think about dream he's the man of the candidate, moment. he's like a figure from a Marvel comic, isn't he? he he's the real Iron Man, isn't he? He's Iron Man with a touch of Doc Ock. You know, he's Iron Man is is the hero side, but he might also be one of those villains who's um, who who, who by night uh, has been ingested by his machinery. You know, his new idea is brain chips. We're all going to have brain chips. I don't think he's. We're going to be forced to have them, but. That sort of cognitive enhancers that enhancements that turn us into androids. And his point is that we're already androids because we rely so much on our phones. Half our brains exist now. We're interdependent with our phones in a way that makes us androids. So I'll give him an approach. Have you ever interviewed him? No, I haven't come close, but I am completely fascinated by him. Completely. I'm consumed with him. Goes up in a rocket ship. He flame th- he, he 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 invented a kind of flamethrower, I think. I love every aspect of him. Um, well, from a sort of journalistic uh, point of view, I find it totally intriguing. Same age as you, I think. It's, he probably would be. Yeah, I think he's it's, a, it's scary when you look around at people who've achieved like, worth what is it, worth a hundred billion, and now <laughs> no, you think like, where have I, I done something I, wrong? It's so funny. I, if you go back further, it gets even worse with Elon Musk. By the way, when you think where you were in your career and where he was in his, yeah. and how he swiftly overtook you. Um, but yeah. uh, it's interesting. It's one of those how things. How you go that, up you in get... a rocket while also making tens of thousands of uh, electric cars. You know what I mean? I know. Like, I, know. I can't make a cup of tea while checking my emails. You I'm know? sure you can. I'm sure you can. <laughs> uh, let's talk to you about one of your heroes of lockdown, Joe Wicks. You opened the book with two quotes, one from Nietzsche, one from Joe Wicks, uh, from Frederick Nietzsche. In times of peace, the warlike man attacks himself from Joe Wicks. Never easy, Burr Peace. Never easy. Uh, which was the most useful to you under lockdown? I'm, I'm suspecting the, but- Joe. The Wicks by far. Yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, how, 
Uh, he he's the one more than anything else who who made the whole experience uh, not just bearable but actually self improving. I started, you know, I'd always had this fantasy, you know, in the last what, 10 or 15 years, ago, like one day I'm going to get fit, like one day, not now, maybe I'll take a couple of weeks <laughs> off and go to a health farm. One day I'll sort yeah, it all not out. Now. Not yeah, now. not now, maybe <laughs> in a few months. Uh, and then in lockdown, when the first Joe Wicks workout took place, my wife alerted me to it. And we all got out there as a family, me and the three boys and my wife, and we did it. And I thought, well, that was, you know, keeps you busy. We weren't leaving the house and um, and then I did it the next day. My wife stopped doing it. Um, my kids sort of stopped doing it intermittently, but I kept at it more or less five or six days a week. I did it yesterday. I haven't done it yet today, but I will do it. And discovered that um, I felt not so, you know, not only did I sort of physically look and feel better, but mentally I found it like a huge sort of ch- charge, like an enormous positive, um, you know, the, the positive effects on my outlook and my temperament were immense and um, and kept up with it. And and I'm not going to say I'm ripped. It's not for me to say, but people <laughs> say that I look better. And um, it, and I'm, 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 it's such a temptation because I said at the beginning, like, I tweeted, I'm going to come out of lockdown like a prisoner coming out of the hole with a yep. six pack and a bad attitude. And now I feel like I've got my six pack and a positive attitude. And, I'm, I, and every day I think, I wonder if I should tweet myself like with my shirt off, showing off my six pack. And then I think, no, that's not who you are, Louis. Stop it. You're not one of maybe, those people. Maybe it is. Maybe that's who you really are. Maybe you've discovered the real you. Maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe. Okay. Um, it's Good funny because I've been here like uh, for 10 days now and I've, I usually run every day, but I haven't been running at all because I can't, because not that out. Um, so I've, I've adopted this a little, or fashioned this little exercise regime and I actually feel fitter now yeah. than I have after my years and years of running because it's a different kind of fitness. You do these little, it's very Joe Wicks-esque. I've got my pull-up bars that I nicked off my wife yeah. on the frame of my bathroom just over my left shoulder here. I've got a little power plate, vibrating power plate that I bought 17 years ago and haven't used until uh, this week can last in the in the um in the garage i do feel uh entirely different how many pull-ups can you do i, I can't do any <laughs> I can't do any, but i can hang no i can't <laughs> i can't do any i can do i can do like three or four if i swing my legs a bit but i think that's cheating <laughs> <laughs> I can have a go um, now. I can have a go now. Have but a I go. Won't. I think I could no. do. I think I could do three pull-ups. See, no, that's, pull what up you, that's what you. That's what you want to tweet. You want to tweet that video, that little TikTok. Do you think so? Maybe oh, I will. Yeah, man. See, Me and also if you take, if you boomerang it right, uh, you only have to do one. Look, you could do. It looks like you're doing a thousand. You're right up there yeah, with David. That's Goggins. a good point. That's a good. It's a, it's a, I think I could do four. I'm going to put. I'm going to say four, and I'll, I'll, I'll set myself the challenge. I'm going to put that on social media today. Do you have a pull-up bar? I do. It's still in its box. I asked for it one Christmas. Oh. I, one Christmas, I said, get me a pull-up bar. Then I'll get fit. Then, and then They're one so day I'll clever. get fit. And They're then so I clever. Never, um, well, you think, never, how is this, this going to hold my weight if I just sort of sort of took it under um, the bedroom, the, the door frame from, one, from my bedroom through to the yeah. bathroom? Is this going to work? Is the whole house going to come tumbling down? And it just, the, the, end, the science behind it, the engineering, the design, phenomenal. Is it? Mind, you put it in a doorway, right? And then it, yeah, it kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. It hangs on. I've got to have that's to find that. Yeah, that's yeah. what you do. Um, if, you, if you've lost it, I'm going to send you one as a present because I, I, I want a pull-up brother. I want a pull-up brother that can't necessarily pull I want up. to get you to do your first <laughs> real pull-up. I, I, want to, I, I want to be your motivator. That, okay. That's the key. It's like With Joe Wicks, he's, like, he's such a good... Um, he, his enthusiasm is, is infectious. 
Yeah, he's a but, great um, sort of fitness buddy to have on your telly. Our, our kids did that every morning, nine o'clock, bang, as he's smashing all those world records. Talking of world records, I think, and I don't know because I've not checked this out, and that's remiss of me, especially talking to somebody who is renowned for their for their assiduous research. But did you do you think maybe perhaps you set the world record for number of bikes stolen during lockdown as well? Okay, good point. Yeah, I think I had. Well, I don't know if I set the record. I had two stolen and I'd had one stolen or maybe two stolen the previous six months. So they weren't all in lockdown. I look at it as a sort of charitable endeavor. If someone (laughs) wants to steal my bike that badly, they must really need it. Like that's how I console myself. You know, it's a bit like when you get a parking ticket and you think, well, you know what? It's going to the council, and they are very underfunded. <laughs> and uh, so, oh, it's it, it's annoying. And and also, since then, I've I've, I've I've I can't actually. It's obviously not totally selfless on my part because since then I've got a better lock, and I've had the same bike for about a year now. So obviously, mm. I've, I've I've staunched the wound. But for a while, I did. I sort of was operating a one-man charity scheme of donating bikes t- to thieves. I wonder if you're being targeted, if it was the same person again, he's, he's going to do it again. He's going to buy a brand new bike again. He's going to not lock it properly. And uh, I'm having... It could well be. Funny. It happened twice in Soho and once in Shepherd's Bush. And, and I think in the Soho one was so weird because I'd only been in, the, in an office for 45 minutes and I came out and I thought I was going crazy. You know, I, the embarrassing part is you spend half an hour just thinking like, well... I'm sure I locked it here, but maybe it was over here. And then you wander around and it dawns on you gradually that, um, no, it's just been, it's been tea-leafed. Although I have, I'm a you know, keen cyclist of a sort of, you know, getting to and from work sort, um, going back many, many years. And, and um, it's quite a common thing in my past to forget. I don't know if you've ever had this, of forgetting where you've actually, not having it stolen, but actually losing it, forgetting where you locked it up. And then weeks later, walking down some back street in the West End of like, that looks like a familiar bike. No, have you yeah. really done that? Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. Like, that's, that's funny. That's my bike. Yeah, that's I've done funny. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking to Soho, there's a lovely bit in, in the book about Soho. You go, you go to Soho with your friend, your wife um, and your friend Sharon um, yeah. and uh, you go out for dinner and your wife says to you, it's a case of, do you think you were... It's funny how we've all reacted, responded uh, to to the effects of, of subconscious effects of, of COVID-19 on us. And your wife says to you, either you're trying too hard to be funny yeah. or yeah. you're just trying to be too funny or maybe a combination of both. You're trying too hard to be funny. And it was because right. it was it was it was the writer, Sharon Horgan, who I hadn't met before. And he's hugely talented. And, you know, she's an actor as well. Yeah, she's amazing. And, and I got the, I, I get quite um, when I meet someone famous who I admire. I for, uh, for the first time I I get I, you know like a lot of people like I'm impressed by talented famous people and 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 um and so I I, I have a habit so my wife tells me I'm sh- I'm sure she's right I go into slightly manic mode of of trying a bit too hard to be funny so Nancy my wife called me up on as soon as Sharon had gone off to do something and she said what are you doing I'm like I'm just you know Trying to, trying to be funny. She said, just be normal. And I said, well, this is my new normal. My new normal is me being manically unfunny. I, I love the fact you tried to, because it's really annoying for me, because you are very, very funny. and it's, It seems so natural. I love the fact that you were, you sometimes you overtry. It makes me feel a lot better, let me tell you. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. That's um, the, yeah. 
I know we only we only have you for half an hour, um, which I was disappointed with because basically I've made a note on every page, and every page there's a talking point, a conversation that I could have with you. Uh, it's great. We're talking to Louis Theroux for the last few minutes about his. It's a brilliant book. I honestly, Louis, I think this is this is has number one in the Sunday Times bestseller list written wow, all over. Thank it. And you. I, re- I really mean it. It's fantastic. Theroux the Keyhole: Diaries of a Grounded Documentary Maker, Louis Theroux. I was going to talk to you about your epilogue, which is gorgeous and sensitive, and you talk about your wife and how you sort of refell in love with her, not that you weren't in the first place, but for completely different reasons. I feel exactly the same way about my family and my situation. I feel so blessed. I feel so lucky, lucky than than I ever thought I, I was in the first place. And I felt pretty lucky to begin with. But if you don't mind, Louis, do you have a copy of your book there? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It's right here. Can, can you do me a favour? Can we finish this interview? And I'll say goodbye now. Um, and thank you very much. And well done on the book. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank um, you. Can we just finish the interview with you reading Thursday, the 2nd of July? Because it's beautiful. Thursday, the 2nd of July. Okay, wow, that's awesome. I don't even know what happened on Thursday, the 2nd of July. Okay. Pull up a chair, everyone. Um, Here we go. Thursday, the 2nd of July. Okay, ready? Should I just go for it? Yeah, just just thank you very much indeed. Um, This has been Louis Theroux. Louis Theroux, through the keyhole. Off you go. Thursday, the 2nd of July. Nancy had a socially distanced book group at a friend's house. I put Ray down. Dad, you have to always breathe, otherwise you'll die, right? Right. Then I said, what if you forget to breathe? Yeah. Or if you say a really long word. Good point, I said. Like, he said. I guess you just have to be careful, I said. Dad, what is it when you crack the system? What do you mean? On The Incredibles, they crack the system. It's like solving a puzzle. You figure out the solution. Oh, I thought it was like they broke it. Well, they didn't break it. They figured it out. We read a book about being chased by a bear. Good night, Ray. Dad, I don't want to go to school. Oh, why not? I don't want to grow up. Well, it's not until Monday, so that's still four days away. Dad, I don't want to be six. I want to be five or four. You've got plenty of time to not grow up. Look at Arthur and Jack. They're much older and they're still young. Right, time to sleep. I tucked him in, thinking about him, not wanting to grow up, hoping that it meant he was happy as he was and wanted to pause his life and enjoy the simple pleasures of a five-year-old forever. That was Louis Theroux. His new book, Theroux, The Keyhole, Diaries of a Grounded Documentary Maker, is out now and you will not read a more life-affirming heartwarming, COVID-reminding, conscious-urging book than this one or Christmas. If you've enjoyed the chat, uh, please do rate and review it and recommend it to your friends. And if not, this never happened. All right? Stum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.